You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode nine of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I am delighted to be joined on the line by Tom Hiscott, the editor of the Western League Bulletin. Hello, Tom. How are you? Yeah, not 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 too bad. Um, yeah, yeah. Good to speak to you again. How are you doing? I'm not bad. I've survived my trip to Warminster, <laughs> which is more than can be said for devices. Um, but it was um, a very pleasant um, uh, day out, uh, as you would expect. Actually, Warminster always make people very welcome, and it was you know it was delightful to get to a game. I know we're going to be talking about the game later, but it, obviously it's looking increasingly likely that um, we won't be watching much football, certainly for the upcoming month. So to get to a game on Saturday was was very pleasant, if what if not somewhat surreal. But I suppose rather than talking about um, COVID issues, um, we can actually have a we can have a good we can have a jolly good moan about the weather, which is a thoroughly mm-hmm. British thing to do, because that really put pay to our our fixture schedule on on Saturday. I imagine it uh, made uh, putting the, the bulletin together a little bit easier for you this week. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit fewer. Obviously, fewer games, fewer words, and what have you. Is obviously try and try and flesh it out with the games that did go ahead. And I think what well, snuck in, I think we got 11 uh, in total over the two two leagues and the Vars. But yeah, plenty, plenty put pay to pay to themselves with the with the the wet uh, overnight on Friday, and then yeah, pretty pretty damp uh, Saturday, wasn't it? But yeah, good to good to see some of the. Some of the grounds managed to, to hold firm and, and get some get some matches under our belt to, to end October. Of course, I, I noticed that um, we've been getting used to waking up with your bulletin on a Sunday <laughs> morning, but we actually had the opportunity to go to bed with it on Saturday night. Um, <laughs> Uh, before we get into um, the uh, the match reports um, from uh, from this week, on this week's episode of the podcast, we will be hearing from Dave Pierce, um, one of the joint managers at Bridgewater Town. Of course, they had a very good win in the in the FA Vars, and we'll also be hearing from Andy Crabtree, the manager of Warminster Town, after that emphatic 6-0 win um, over Devizes Town on on Saturday. And um, to conclude this week's podcast, given the events that have been uh, unravelling before us over the last few days. Um, I thought it would be a good idea for us to hear from the Western League chairman, Mr John Poole, um, summarising exactly where we are in terms of playing football over the over the month um, that we will be put back into a national lockdown. Anyway, starting off, we'll talk about the FA Vars. A lot of games didn't beat the weather, but one that did was Bridgewater Town. They entertained Western League First Division leaders, Welton Rovers. I was really hoping for big things from the Green Army. I'm sure that um, their travelling support would have been as well. I mean, congratulations to Bridgewater, of course, for getting this game on. But um, it was an emphatic win, wasn't it, for the Premier Division side? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So um, Tom Fry um, doing most of the early damage, a uh, couple of set piece goals uh, that were finished off by him uh, to make it 2-0 uh, at half time. And then the second half uh, belonged to one man, that's Jack Taylor, obviously one of the most uh, prominent goal getters uh, in the Western League. And yeah, he managed to, to, to grab a hat-trick on Saturday afternoon, so, as well, second half hat-trick as well. So uh, yeah, pretty good going from, uh, from Taylor. The first of his was from the spot, so that got him underway, but made it 3-0. And then he added a couple more uh, during the second half. So, yeah, 3-0 win for, for Bridgewater over, over Welton. Well, that was a, a fantastic win, as I say, for um, um, for Bridgewater. But, of course, with the news that we will be entering a, a month's lockdown, I started off my interview with uh, with Bridgewater Town's joint manager, Dave Pearce, by asking whether the gloss had been taken off Saturday's win by the uncertainty surrounding the future of this season's vast competition. 
Yeah, um, you know, it's good to win Saturday, but um, so with all the uncertainty going on, you don't know whether it's going to finish or finish the competition. But um, you know, we'll just hopefully uh, in a month's time we'll be back playing, and I assume the first game back will be the next round of the Vars, um, and we can crack on and and try and have a good run in it. Well, we'll have a chat about your opponents in that competition, but let's talk about that last round match because you came up against um, Welton Rovers. Of course, they've been doing ever so well in the first division, but we always one of the great talking points in Western League football is the gap that exists or maybe doesn't exist between the Premier Division and the first division. I mean, it was a comprehensive scoreline on the day. Do you think that flattered you at all? No, I don't. I thought we were a really good Saturday. I thought we, we, we did our homework on, on Welton. You know, they were unbeaten. Had a great start in Division 1, but... We we set up. We knew how they they were going to try and play, um, and yeah, for one of the you know we've been really inconsistent this year, um, but the lads stuck to the game plan, up their levels from what we have this season, and you know we scored some great goals, played some good football, and we nullified everything that they threw at us really. But you know I give credit to the lads for performing the way they did. Um, but the golf between the two, I don't know. It was on the day. It's not, I think a lot of it's on the day. Um, I'm sure if Welton come into our league, they're playing teams week in week out. They'd, they'd be fine. They'd be fine. But um, no, we're just glad to get the win and scoring five again. Another clean sheet. Couldn't ask for any more. So you've got Royal Wooden Bassett um, in <clears> the next round. Now that game is at home. So whenever it does get played, um, that gives you a good opportunity yeah. of progressing. Well, looking at where they are in the league. There, uh, Hellenic League. Um, you'd like to think so. It's nice to get a home draw. Mine and Cole's um, and Vars and FA Cup exploits over the last couple of years have thrown us all over the southwest, I think, and then and even further. So it's nice to get a home draw, and you know, um, we won't we won't take them lightly where they are in the league. You know, they could go um, anything. Anything could happen if we prepare right. Then you know, we have got a chance of getting through. One of the features of, of, of your football club, and it's been a feature for many seasons now while you've been in the Western League, is you do you do get good gates. And, I mean, you've got a yeah. fantastic gate on, on Saturday. Um, it's obviously capped at the moment at 300, but still 300, I'm sure, financially would, would, would do the club the world of good. And also, it must make a difference to you on the field. Yeah, it's, I remember, you know, I signed for Bridgewater back in 2011, and the crowd was only sort of you know, 140s, 150s, and... You know, through the years, it's not been really above 200 regularly. But since you come down to the Western League, obviously it's it's flown up um, to close to 300. Um, and the, the the players love it. You know, and we've got a small group of young lads now who uh, stand behind one of the goals. They've nicknamed themselves the Bridgewater Ultras, banging their drums and making loads of noise. And it's fantastic to they make a fantastic atmosphere. Um, and yeah, you know, as I said there's nothing better than having a a bigger crowd, you know, you don't want to play in front of 100, do you? When you get 300 sort of noisy fans, it makes a big difference for you. Now, you did mention the inconsistency in your season earlier. I mean, I, 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 it's a, it feels a little bit like a sort of, like the hokey-cokey. You, you know, you take one step forward and then one step back. Yeah. Well, you've not been able really to string a run of results together, but you have had some, some wins this season. I mean, has that been frustrating for you? Oh, really frustrating, you know, even even I go back to last season before COVID, you know, we were so inconsistent, we, you know, on paper, we've got a very strong squad, um, and we have, you know, we've got some really good players, but we just seem to don't fulfil our potential, you know, we'll, we'll be great one week, 
uh, and then the next game will be the complete opposite. Look, I've said to the the players, if I video, if I videoed every game and you watched it game after game, it's, it's sometimes it's looking like two different teams. Um, and you know we've we've thrown away so many silly points um, just because we haven't prepared right, as in mentally as a team, and that's that's probably been the biggest biggest problem for us. But hopefully, you know, won the last two five nil. Hopefully, we can just push on now and. And the players start playing third potential. So this lockdown break then has come quite possibly at the wrong time for you because your players are going to need to reset, aren't they, over the next month? Yeah, it's come at the worst time possible because um, you sort of feel like you know we've got uh, um, some new players have come in and uh, you know a few of them are hitting form now. Um, so pretty, as you said, it's come at the wrong time. But hopefully, um, all the players will, will stay in touch with the players, keep them keep them. Uh, Doing their fitness stuff because it's not a break to me. You know they, they've they've got to carry on doing what they'd normally do, looking after themselves. And hopefully we come back and uh, carry on the form we're in. Because you, yourself and Carl have been doing a really good job over the last couple of seasons to, to to build up the side. And you know you are now one of the names that people look out for. One of the names that gets talked about in pre-season. What were your expectations for this season? You know you hear the, the story about all the money flying around this league and. And things where we we try to ignore all that because we we were seeing new teams are signing, uh, teams have just got stronger, um, you know. And I think there's some really strong teams in it this year. And I think apart from the top two or three, I think below that anyone can beat anyone. It, it is it's that type of league. Uh, so our expectation was just finish as hard as we can. You know, we we let ourselves down last year. Hundred percent, we should have done a lot better than what we did with the team we had uh, especially at the start of the season um, and we just this year you know if we can finish in the top top six I think that with the teams that are in the league I think that's a good achievement Now we're talking about where we finish this season I suppose what the other question yeah. is when will we finish this season uh, if it can't be completed on the field do you have a preference for how you would like to, to see the competition completed? Um, I think this points per game thing is ridiculous um, I think it, the teams who have if if you finish with ten games and Parkway are top, then they should go up. As simple as that. However, it should finish. The league finishes. That's how it should be. Um, I don't believe that you know the points per game thing should be involved. Um, I think you know it, it, it was void last year. This year, I think it should be promotion relegation, and that's that's the way it is. Simple as that. Do you think there's an argument that if the season does end up being suspended? for a longer period of time than we're currently facing, that maybe we would be better off completing it next season rather than going through the process of either voiding it or finding another way to finalise the I table? Don't, but the, the way that situation is, it could go on forever. You know, the, no one knows what's going to happen. So I think, I think you've got to finish it. Um, to, to what, how you do that, I don't know. If the season's got to go on a, a bit longer, a month longer... You know, May, end of May, June. Then we just get it done and then restart the season a bit later. You know, next season. I think you know you just got you just got to finish it as best you can. Or they say every team's got to get to a certain amount of games, and that's it. I mean, normally I conclude these interviews by talking about that your next opponents, and of course, as we as we record this, we don't know who they're going to be. I mean, you mentioned it could it could be Wooten Bassett in the Vars, yeah. or it could be Odd Down. They're your opponents um, scheduled for December the fifth. But who, yeah. whoever it is, have you got any concerns about 
um, about the players coming back straight away after a month's break? I mean, would you prefer to have a little bit of preparation time before we start playing again? I think you'd like a, a week, maybe two weeks preparation, but with the time constraint, I think we'd be better off just playing. I think it's better than playing games. I think we just need to get back into it. Um, you know, it's only a month. It does sound a long time, but, you know, we've still got another 28 games to play, something like that. So I think it's just, you know, if it does come back in December, just get on with it, you know, play. Or minimum a week, a week back in training, and then we just start playing games again. And get the crowds back, get your supporters back in the clubs, and the clubs can start functioning again. And my thanks to Dave for his time. Now, moving on to Clevedon Town, they entertained Whitchurch United. And, uh, well, Clevedon's impressive form this season continued in the Vars. Yeah, it did, and that to um, pr- pr- produce a pretty good comeback uh, for that for that to happen. Uh, Nick Yeoman scoring a, a 20-minute goal uh, for the visitors uh, to put them ahead. Uh, and they led for, yeah, for much of the game. Uh, but Ethan Felton... Uh, managed to smash home an equaliser 15 minutes from time uh, to get to get Clevedon uh, on level terms. And then they pushed on and managed to, to find a late winner. Uh, that was Jay Murray. He's been doing pretty well of late. Uh, yeah, he beat the keeper and, uh, yeah, and grabbed, a, grabbed a two-on win. So Clevedon also uh, joined the Bridgewater in the next round. Well, another Western League side to join Clevedon in the next round was Cribs. And they had a, they, well, it was a seven-goal thriller, wasn't it, against Newport of the Isle of Wight? Yeah, if anything, this was uh, an even more impressive comeback than that of uh, that of Clevedon. Pretty pretty late salvo from them. Uh, they went ahead uh, pretty early through Josh Bennett, uh, but then a couple of goals uh, from Connor Kelly and Jordan Brown uh, meant that it was the the, the Newport side who led uh, at the interval. Uh, Steve Murray uh, managed to get Cribs back on level terms, uh, but yeah, once again they they fell behind to to the Wessex League side who yeah led three two with just over 15 minutes to go. Uh, but Cribs, yeah, they pushed on. Danny Webb grabbed the equaliser. Uh, and then, yeah, they, they maintained that pressure. And uh, it, it paid off. Uh, Murray getting his second um, to, to, yeah, complete the turnaround. And a 4-3 victory for, for Cribs. A fantastic result for, for them at home to the Newport Isle of Whiteside. Well, another fantastic result um, came at Limington Town. We heard a few weeks ago from Stuart Henderson, the manager of Tavistock, and Stuart was quite clear in the interview that really uh, uh, these excursions in the Vars are all very well and good and entertaining, but um, the real um, bread and butter for Tavistock was going to be the league this season. I mean, he also made the point to me that Limington Town were no mugs. I think uh, they were well, I think they were unbeaten before this game at home, but that's not how it stayed. Tavistock making that incredibly long journey but coming away with the spoils yeah absolutely and it was a it was a couple of uh, regulars uh, among their among their goal scoring fraternity who uh, yeah were, were on, on the mark again on saturday uh, jack crago and liam prin uh, both scoring during the second half to put them two goals ahead uh, limington managed to to score uh, in the final final few few moments of the game but uh, yeah tavistock held out and uh, progressed to to the second round and finally, in the FA Vars, um, well, we uh, an all Western League affair. Now, of course, we started off our our roundup by um, by looking at the, uh, the the matchup with the first division leaders, Welton Rovers. Well, City have been going well uh, mm. in the first division, but um, they have been a little bit in and out of form. They had home advantage here against Westbury United. I always felt that they were in with a chance, but they really they they will be absolutely um, tickled pink, won't they, with this with this famous victory, Tom. Absolutely, uh, and it was looking like they probably were were going to fall at the uh, yeah uh, fall fall to the the Premier Division side. 
uh, goals either side of the interval from Will Thompson uh, and then early in the second half uh, from Jamie Jordan uh, put Westbury two goals ahead and you'd probably think from there they'd they'd be able to, to be able to hold out and push on and maybe yeah extend their lead but it was Wells who fought their way back into the game uh, Harry Foster pulling them uh, within within one uh, and then an equaliser from Tom Hill uh, drawing them level uh, there's still quite a, quite a way to go and it was actually Wells who probably went closer uh, during the final sort of 20 minutes or so uh, to grab in the fifth and what would have been a winner. Uh, but that wasn't to be in. The game went to penalties. Obviously, no extra time this year. Uh, went to penalties, and it was Rob Brown who was the hero for Wales. He saved two penalties uh, from the Westbury, Westbury uh, um, takers. And it was, uh, yeah, they, Wales scoring four of their five spot kicks. And, uh, yeah, as you say, a pretty, pretty memorable victory uh, for the Somerset side. If you're thinking, Tool Station, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Tool Station. With over 300 branches, there's always a Tool Station near you. Now we're moving to the Premier Division where two matches beat the weather. Um, the first was at Exmouth Town. Uh, an absolutely monster crowd here. 231 um, saw this. And I'm sure that the vast majority who would have been home supporters would have gone home very happy, Tom. Yeah, this one went with, well, probably as, we, as we'd expected, uh, Exmouth up to, up to four for 2-0 win over, over Wellington, who have improved of late. So it wasn't, again, wasn't an easy one for... Cracksmith, but it was Ben Steer who uh, yeah, scored both goals for them in this one. Uh, opening the scoring after just 12 minutes uh, and then uh, volleyed home at the uh, the beginning of the second half to, to put them two goals ahead and that was that was how it stayed. But uh, yeah, pretty big crowd there uh, on Saturday. I think it was over 230-odd there. So uh, yeah, good 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 day all round for Exmouth. And also in the Premier Division, a battle of the basement, Hallen and Bridport. Mm. Um, before, t- uh, before this day, both sides had won only one match, so I suppose something was always going to give. But um, Helen, I'm sure, will take some confidence going into the break um, with that emphatic victory. Yeah, as you say, this was only their second league win from from 13 outings this year, so a, a tough start for Helen. You probably think they're underachieving a little bit. So uh, a five-nil thumping of Bridport maybe give them a bit of confidence. Obviously, probably don't want a break coming up, but that that might be the case. But uh, yeah, a good. Good, good performance from from the home side. Sasha Tong scoring twice inside the opening 12 minutes uh, to yeah to give them a strong strong foothold in the game, obviously. Um, and then it was Corey Simpson making it three and after a quarter of an hour, uh, and then Jordan Ricketts falling after 20 minutes. So they really did um, yeah fire out of the blocks in this one, and uh, yeah pretty much put the put the put the game to bed after after well the op- inside the opening quarter really. Uh, it was Luke Hall Cousins. Uh, added a fifth in the second half, uh, and that's how it stayed. But yeah, pretty emphatic 5 0 victory for Hallen over Bridport. Now, moving on to the first division, and I think we'll, if, if you don't mind, Tom, we'll get the Warminster Devices game out of the way mm-hmm. early. You go ahead. Um, well, well I'll, I'll tell you what, we'll have a division of labour here. I'll cover <laughs> all the Devices goal scorers, and you cover oh, all idea. the Warminster Town ones. I mean, just to give the listeners some idea, I was on, uh, co- well, co-commentary duty on Saturday. Um, Roman Millward, who's a, who's a man we speak about regularly on the Western League podcast, does a fantastic job 
with his podcast for Warminster. He also does um, um, live stream the uh, the games um, that Warminster play home and away. Uh, of course, I'd been a spectator at this um, uh, last week. If you remember last week's podcast, I talked about sitting at home watching Welton Rovers against Warminster on my uh, on my on my telly. Well, Roland um, wanted me to come and join him on Saturday, and I was really pleased to see that the game got to go ahead. I haven't really watched a lot of devices this season, and um, it was a game of two halves. I think it would be fair to say. Um, devices did just about hold their own. Probably they were second best. I think it would be fair to say in the first half, but it was still a competitive tie until about about 40 minutes in Tom and, um, and, and, and Warminster, Warminster took the lead. I, I can't remember the name of the chap. So you better <laughs> give him his moment of glory. I can do that. That was, uh, that was Jack Millet, Millet, uh, who opened the scoring. Um, yeah, put them, put them one up at the break. He did. Now, of course, the problem that we've had at Devices this season is that confidence has been somewhat lacking. And uh, unfortunately, um, um, the boys came out a shadow of their former selves in the second half. And we, we witnessed something of a, of a capitulation, really. And uh, I'm going to let you take it over now because <laughs> I, I think I'm just going to take the old ear, earphones off and uh-huh. uh, just go and, go and pour myself something, a stiff drink and just um, pretend it never happened. Well, yeah. Good. Good afternoon for for Warminster. Obviously, yeah, scored five times uh, after the interval. For those that those that aren't aware, to to register the six nil win. Uh, Seth Wayne scoring twice. One excellent long range effort amongst those. Um, George Butler um, also scoring, uh, and that made it four nil with Wayne when once he completed his brace. Uh, there was a rare goal from Jordan De Silva uh, to make it five before Martin Johnson uh, then completed completed the victory. Uh, Warminster up to up to fifth. I thought that the very least I could do, having um, having enjoyed their hospitality, was to give um, Andy Crabtree his, his moment of glory. We always enjoy listening to Andy on the on the Western League podcast. Of course, he doesn't just uh, um, he, do, he always says it as he sees it, and he doesn't just talk about um, things to do with his own club. He's always good to get an opinion, um, you know, around what's going on in the league, and that's very much how I started our conversation. So I asked Andy um, what it was like going into Saturday's match, knowing that that could be the last time that Warminster to play for a while. From our point of view, it was I'm glad to get the game on because um, the previous week we didn't sort of cover ourselves through glory at Welton and we, we lost the game really for for, for our own. And um, it was just nice to be uh, go out and rectify it. As I said to the players at our time, you know, you wanted to make up for last week. Now's your chance. And to be fair, they more than did that in the second half. Well, they certainly made up for that on the pitch, but I suppose we have to give a special mention to your groundsman, don't we? Because, I mean, the rain in Wiltshire was falling torrentially, as it was, of course, across the southwest of England. I mean, we've been preoccupied by the coronavirus until now, but it was the weather that put pay to so many fixtures on, um, uh, on, on Saturday. So I suppose we were just pleased to have that couple of hours of sunshine just before kick-off. That made all the difference, didn't it? Yeah, I spoke to Graham, and he has done a marvellous job on our pitch, to be fair. You know, he spends many hours up there, and he treats it like a little, you know, his little baby. I'm fair play to him, you know. And he, you know, he's renowned for his uh, groundsmanship, so to speak, so that's uh, brilliant. And he, I spoke to him early on Saturday morning, and he, he said it's soft, but there's no standing water, so there was a good chance it was going to be on. And then he put the phone down and it just emptied down for about half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, and luckily, like you 
Well, if, if we look at the game, I mean, I obviously um, I, I had the pleasure of watching the match uh, with uh, with Roland uh, Millwood, um, and f- f- from my perspective, with my devices hat on, I don't normally put that hat on in my manager interviews, but I, I will do today. Um, it was a game of two halves. I think devices weren't out of sight at half time, but really, within the first sort of ten minutes of the second half, you'd absolutely you'd blown them away. I mean, were you really pleased with that second half performance? It's a local derby, it's always going to be tough. You know, you're never going to have any, anybody says they're going to have an easy ride in a local derby, they're a fork. And I knew it was going to be a tough game. I know, I've known Trippy for a long time, you know, and they set up well and they and they came they came to restrict us to us, and then they did restrict us to very few chances in the first half. And we struggled to get, you know, our passing going, and, you know, we looked a little bit sort of out of sorts. Um, we knew we were capable of better. And um, to be fair, we had a nice little chat at half-time and um, things came together. You know, scoring that early goal in the second half, getting the goal just before half-time, really. And we could have had another one shortly afterwards as well. I think that would have been very cruel on devices if we'd have gone in 2-0 up. Because they had played well in the first half. But it's like we gradually wore them down, so to speak. I mean, you've been on a, a very good run of results um, at the beginning of this season I mean I, I know you mentioned you sort of touched upon that game at, at, at Welton Rovers but the only other side you've lost to this season was Bishop Sutton you've been um, you had wins over Wincanton and I mean we all know how well they're doing now and Wells and we expect them to be there and, and thereabouts I mean we're, 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 did you see enough from perhaps Wincanton and Wells to suggest that they are going to be the forces that we've come to know in the first division I think we were very fortunate when we played um, both sides, to be honest. I thought when we played Wincant, and, and I know Chris very well, and, he, you know, they had a lot of injuries, and, and they'd, um, coming into the season, they had suspensions and injuries, and we caught them on a, on a good day, to be fair. We, you know, it was a very close game, but we edged it in the end, you know, and on, we've gone down there previous seasons, I, I it's not very often we beat Wincanton, and especially on their own ground. So it was nice to go down there and, and win. Likewise with Wells, it's not a very happy hunting ground for us. Um, but I think when we played them, they had played probably four or five tough games. They'd had midweek, so I think they played Caution back well. They had a tough Mars game. So we played them on the Monday night. So in nine nine days I think they played that was the fourth game and I think on the night once we got our noses in front I think you know it was one game too many for them and, I, and, and don't get me wrong they're a very very good side you know they must be they'll be, they'll be in they'll be in the top six I can assure you you know and, and, but not, I'll take nothing away from the way we played that night because our lads really acquitted themselves very well well, well, let's talk about your lads, because at the start of this season, perhaps before we kicked off, um, what were your ambitions for the side this season? We trained very well, to be honest. We, you know, it was a, you know, it's difficult with the COVID lark and whatever. We played um, a lot of teams from higher divisions. We played Malcolm Froome, uh, Westbury, Bradford, you know, so it's a tough, you know, four tough games. You know, there wasn't an easy one amongst them, let me assure you. And it got us a bit, and it was always in case of all in most of them games. But, um, oh, and we played off down as well. And it got us, you know, we, it's no good winning pre season 
frankly, she doesn't get nothing for winning that. But we peaked at the right time, you know, and we came into the game against Bradstock. And for the first 45 minutes, we were outstanding. You know, we were 3-0 we up, and it could have been 7 or 8. And, I, you know, and I'm not just saying that, blase, we played really, really well. You know, and, and it was good to see, and, and, it, and it shows... You know, how hard we had worked pre-season. You're certainly not just saying that because I was there and I saw how well you played against Radstock and, um, yeah, it was an impressive performance. So you mentioned COVID just now. I mean, how has that sort of hampered things for you? Because, I mean, it seems like, to be fair, you've made... I mean, I think the club have done a wonderful job of making the best of the restrictions and I've said that on the podcast before but I mean you, you know you are riding high in the league at the moment you seem to be making the best of it <laughs> from my point of view I didn't think the season would well I think we've struggled to get the season finished and, and you know I think, I think a lot of the lads are the same opinion just make the most of it while we can you know and go out and enjoy every game because it might be your last for a while so you know just make the most of it and you know go and enjoy it they take everything on board. All right, they let themselves down last week. Well, and then I'll say it again, and I've told them, and they know it. And last week, I, I was stewing all week, and I was like a wounded tiger, so to speak, and I wasn't very happy about it. And I, and I let them know straight after the game, to be honest. Um, but, you know, they, 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 they take it on board, and they come back. Some of them aren't very happy about it, but fair play to them. Like I said on Saturday... I'll tell you when it's not good enough. And on Saturday, I told them, you know, patted them on the back and said, well done. I mean, you've just mentioned the fact that many people in, at the moment, you know, don't think that we'll be able to see this season out. I mean, the FA have launched their own consultation with clubs to assess how they see, um, you know, what the, the best mechanism, I think, is the words that they're using for finishing the season. Do, do, do you have a preference? I, I think you've got to play at least. 75% of the games I think um, I, I don't know how viable it was but I just wondered if it would have been worth just everybody playing each other once whether it be home or away you know at least you get some kind of some kind of signal who, who's the top team out of that and you could do it on a point of a game system but you know if, if you all played each other once at least you've had some kind of season haven't you but I mean obviously the fixtures that's a nightmare for any picture secretary, don't, don't get me wrong, in an ideal world. But I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I really don't know. I'm sort of, do midweek games then become viable? Because the bar closes at 10 o'clock, the players are finishing, you don't even have time to have a drink. So does it become viable for the club? Yeah. You pay for the lights to go on, etc. Does it make it viable? I, I don't really know. Not Certainly for our club. Probably not. You know, we'll, we'll get, uh, get 172 on Saturday for a midweek game. We'll probably get 80. Does it make, does it, make it viable? I don't know. Now, normally we talk about the next league matches. And, um, I mean, at the, at the rate we're going, that, that's probably likely to be um, Portishead on December the 5th. But w- would you be ready uh, for that game? I mean, how much time d- would you want to get your your lads in and get them training and get them up to up to up to standard? Well, with gyms being closed and whatever, it's, uh, individuals will have to do their own training. Now, and, and, and to be fair, and a lot of clubs as well, you know, people do take pride in their sort of fitness and whatever these days. Far 
far more so than we used to when we used to play. I can assure you. And, and you know, one of our lads has got a gym, you know, and, it, and it's going to be difficult. Not not just that, but for his, that's his livelihood, you know what I mean? So it's going to be, I think, I think you would need a couple of weeks Just one final question, Andy. I mean, I had the pleasure of spending Saturday afternoon with Roland and Jamie House, of course. Um, yep. And we've spoken about both of them many times on the, on the podcast when you've come on. You know, normally we talk about them in terms of, you know, how much of an asset they are to, to, to your club. But when we think of what fans are going to be doing over the next month, actually, the, 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 the video archive that Roland's built up in recent seasons of your games against the other teams in the first division is going to be invaluable for other fans of other clubs to be able to watch back matches that, you know, they can't obviously go to um, over the next few weeks. I mean, to that end, not only does he do a great job for you, but really he's a, you know, he's a credit to the Western League. Oh, without a doubt. And, um, you know, he does a lot of hard work, you know, for the club and, and putting them to the forefront, you know, and it's great. You know? um, I, I actually watched, some of the game back yesterday afternoon because I've always listened, watched it on my phone. And of course, I've got telly because <laughs> we had a lockdown. I bought a decent telly because <laughs> I seem to be spending a lot of time in front of it. And um, I can then watch it on the telly, and it's so much better watching it on the telly than it was on my little phone. So, you know, seeing as I'm nearly registered blind, it's sort of quite, quite decent to see. And, and it is really good. You know, and, and it's good that other clubs are following suit as well because, you know, some of the coverage of the games, I mean, he's been doing it a few years now and you, you touched on him last week about his birthday. The guy at Caution, you know, equally he puts his club in the spotlight, and, you know, and it's really good coverage, and, you know, as Roland's is, you know, and it's brilliant to see the clubs are following suit. And my thanks to Andy for his time. Now, moving back to uh, more regular uh, business in the First Division, um, Almondsbury um, took on Bishop's Lydiard, Tom. They did, yeah, and that was a, that was a two-all draw, that one. Uh, Almondsbury coming from behind on a couple of occasions uh, to grab a, grab a point against uh, Lydiard in this one. Uh, goalless opening half, uh, but then Mark Cornish rifling home from, uh, yeah, from well outside the area to put, put Lydiard away. Uh, ben Harrington uh, then drew, drew Almondsbury level uh, before Luke Boyle tapped home pretty soon after. Uh, to rest, restore Lydiard's lead, uh, but yeah, they couldn't couldn't hold on to to that advantage again, uh, and it was Ormondsbury who managed to, to to grab a grab a share of the points with uh, Harrington turning provider uh, for Ashley Knight, uh, who made no mistake from pretty close range to, to yeah make it to all. And finally, uh, in the first division, um, we turn our attention to Wincanton. Now, of course, this is always an opportunity for me for me to make the same old joke, which I think I'm not going to I'm not going to do on this occasion because it it really belies the achievement that the side, uh, well, very nearly managed to pull off. I would still say that this was this was this was one hell of a result. Um, the visitors were Corsham Town, of course. We know unbeaten in the league and not just unbeaten they'd won every single match they'd played mm-hmm. before this visit to Wincanton Town Tom but that record has now gone hasn't it it has yeah I think this was the game we earmarked last week as the the pick of the tie so so glad well, it beat well, the you, weather you did well, I think I stole it ahead of you didn't I really you did no, when I started talking nonsense <laughs> about how devices were going to win at Warminster but anyway don't make me go down that road again <laughs> 
but yeah, that was uh, yeah, it was. Um, as I say, glad that it, it beat the weather and uh, yeah, good game. Uh, definitely ensued. Obviously, Wincanton having having won six of their last eight themselves, they were they were full of confidence going into the game and uh, yeah, they put them put themselves in position uh, to grab another three points. Connor Williams uh, giving them the lead five minutes before the break, uh, but then uh, unfortunately for the home side, Harry Turner, who'd uh, yeah scored quite a few recently. Um, yeah, it was shown, shown his second yellow card just before half time, so he had to, uh, yeah, obviously missed the, the the remainder of the match, and that that certainly gave Caution a bit of a boost. But it was uh, amazingly the ten men uh, of Wincanton uh, who came out strong in the second half and uh, doubled their lead. Toby Cole, um, yeah, one of their one of their top 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 scorers over the last couple of seasons. Uh, he put them two 0 up. Uh, but yeah, Caution's never say die attitude really did. Did shine through. There's there's a reason they're unbeaten, uh, and uh, yeah, they, they managed to hold on to that unbeaten start. Obviously losing the 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 100% um, record in terms of wins, uh, but yeah, Gary Higdon um, scoring on the hour mark with a cushioned header, uh, and then it was uh, yeah Higdon again, a left-footed effort uh, from 15 minutes from time, um, making it to all. And uh, yeah, well, fair play to to Wincanton. They held out in the final. Final, final few minutes, and uh, yeah, finished two all. So pretty good. Well, uh, sounds like a great game uh, between two two high flyers. Fantastic stuff, Tom. Thank you very much indeed. Um, now, um, normally, of course, we um, uh, at this stage of the podcast we would preview the fixtures um, coming up over the next week. But um, to be perfectly honest, we don't really know when our sides will next be in action. So I thought that really the best person to talk to. Um, on that subject would be our league chairman, Mr. John Poole. Um, John took the time to speak with me um, after the FA announced their plans for accommodating the uh, government's announcement of a lockdown starting on November the 5th. And I started by asking John what that what that plan meant for us. Pretty much everybody expected it. Um... It did, you know, it did drag on a little bit from the weekend. Um, I think there was a consensus that thought perhaps Monday we'd be told. Um, it's taken till this morning. I think the pleasing factor from from our point of view is the fact that, and we did have our suspicions that that maybe there wouldn't be a restart date, um, but that appears not to be the case. So. Look into the 2nd of December, everything has been scheduled, you know, for a restart, which would probably be, the, you know, Saturday the 5th. So, yeah, I, I think that is, at the moment, is, is the positive side of things. Whether this is the first of maybe others, lockdowns um, or suspensions of football, should I say, um, only time to tell. I, th- I think that... Certainly, all the leagues would would be making you know the continued efforts to try to keep the game going. And in fairness, the FA, I think that I think that's their objective as well. To be fair, we've just had the first round of the FA Vars. The second round was scheduled for the end of of November. Of course, now that is in the suspension period. So, have we got a feeling for when clubs that are in that competition might get an opportunity to play again? No, I. I I mean, the thing was, to be absolutely honest, I mean, it's, it's not anything that they, they've covered off in this. Um, right from the onset, uh, they did make a declaration that they wanted to, you know, to complete last season's FA Vores. Um, I've not heard any more about what their intention is with that. Um, but with regards to this year's competition, until I actually looked at the draw, I didn't realise that it had no, um, it had no sort of uh, playboy date. Uh, they've 
I would imagine probably what they're doing is is, is allowing the lease to sort of try to rejig the fixtures, um, you know, from that commencement date. And then they probably will be looking at trying to, you know, fit in and around the FA Vols dates again. I think they probably, you know, now it's beginning to thin out a little bit, they probably would consider that there's ample time to be able to, you know, to be, to get these games you know, worked into, you know, uh, a normal fixture list. I, I think I counted up very quickly. I think there was someone in the region of 21 weeks, 22 weeks between now and what was scheduled to be uh, a closing date of the 15th of May. A lot of the clubs, are, I mean, I couldn't give you a mean average, but we're probably looking at 28 to 30 games that got to be fitted in. There's going to be a lot of pressure applied to you know to, to get you know to get these games fitted in. I think as regards to the FA Vols, yeah, there's a, there's it's, it's the one competition that's left, um, you know, for our level. But I think they will genuinely try to make every attempt to uh, to see the competition through. Just picking up on your point there, John, about the the end of the season, that May fifteenth date. I mean, do you think that's still the the target end date, or do you think that with with, with this month long stoppage, given the problems we had starting this season, do you think that the FA might be looking to sort of delay that a little bit? My own, this is a personal view I'm giving you now, not not one that's necessarily shared with the league. I think as soon as you start talking about extending the season, then inevitably everybody will start pushing the fixtures on accordingly. I think at the moment, their intention would be to get it started again and hope that there isn't another close down, leave the 15th sitting there, which is still doable just about. But I think probably, you know, come January, they may they may come up with a statement that quite simply says they're prepared to. I, I mean, it's, it's not just... The COVID scenario, if we hit bad weather and things like that, then that's going to throw a lot of things into question. I don't think they'd have any choice then but to extend it for, you know, at least another, well, in my view, I think they'd, they'd have to extend it at least another two weeks, to be quite honest. Obviously, at a difficult time like this, communication between the league and, and the and the football association is is very important. We obviously had that statement that's come from the FA today. I mean, for you on a day to day basis, what is communication with the FA like? Probably better than it's been for a long, long time. To be absolutely honest, is I think like all of us, we you're always gagging for sort of getting information. They do appear to be having regular meetings with the DCMS that's all against trying to continue to keep football going we have monthly meetings now uh, that's all leagues throughout the country at our levels that's five and six We that's a bit of um, almost like pooling you know, all, all the relevant issues that everybody's coming up against the FA have not as yet, I mean, they don't they don't appear to be sort of having too much to say because probably there's not there's not too much that they can be saying. Yeah, I, I think you know, without sort of being overly critical, I, I think that they've been pretty, you know pretty open and pretty transparent in their dealings, you know, all during this period. Um, but and having these regular meetings, I, I think. They've been extremely worthwhile. I mean, it's probably getting to the point now where 
helping everybody sort of share all their different problems. And I think we all know, can I say, we, we pretty much know how to deal with most things now. Yeah, in answer to your question, the FA have probably been probably more transparent and, and you know, a lot a lot easier, to, you know, on communications than it has been for some considerable time. I mean, that may not be a view to share by a lot, but I think things are, you know, improved, shall I say. John, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us, and I'm sure that over the coming weeks and months we'll, we'll probably be hearing a lot more from you about how this difficult situation is playing out across the leagues. Yeah, I'm sorry they're written more off, to be quite honest. You know, I mean, it's, it's difficult for all of us at the moment. And, and like you say, we're just trying to deal with what's in front of us as we go. And, and you know, there, there's two key elements to this. One is trying to err on the side of safety all the time, but also trying to make sure that we can, you know, we can sort of still keep playing football because, you know, our, our understanding is, is that's what everybody wants. You know, we waited long enough before we could start. And now we're started, but... We're aiming to try to keep it going and we'd like to think that everybody feels the same as we do, that they want to play football. So that's really where we are at the moment. And my thanks to John for his time. Um, Tom, thank you very much indeed for, for your time um, today and obviously in the uh, in the weeks um, um, since we've been able to, to start um, the uh, uh, the season. Um, we have, of course, been reviewing your your bulletin, and we wouldn't it wouldn't be the Tool Station Westernly podcast if we didn't finish by telling the listeners if they don't know already um, where they can uh, where they can view your handiwork. Do you wanna do you wanna take us away one last time? Yeah, sure. I always forget myself, but yeah, it's on the website. Um, it's about halfway down. There's a there's a little tab that you can click on that takes you to the yeah, the most recent one. Uh, and it's also, yeah, as you, said, as you kind of mentioned earlier, it's tweeted out generally um, Sunday mornings when it's just after it's published. And, uh, yeah, quite quite a lot of people uh, go through through that um, that domain as well. But, yeah, you can download it as a, a PDF and a, and a Word um, document. And there's also the, obviously the new starry way that James has put it together as well. And that's all available on the website. So, yeah, um, good, good, good way to, to get hold of the, the latest news and, yeah, fixtures and what have you so yeah that's uh, that's on the on the website excellent stuff tom thank you very much indeed for taking the time to speak to us i'm not entirely sure when we're going to get a chance to speak again <laughs> but um hopefully it won't be that long before fingers crossed uh, yeah before you make your return to the tool station western league podcast